Outside, he finds that he is rejected, abandoned. In my town, there was a prominent jailbird. He was a very beautiful. He was a very beautiful man. His name was Barkat Mayan, and he would spend almost nine months in jail. Then three months outside. In those three months, he had to go to report to the police station every week to show that everything was okay, and he was still here. But I had a great friendship with the man. <clears throat> My family was very angry. They said, "Why do you keep company with Barkat?" They used to say to me, "A man is known by his company." A man is known by his company. I said, "I understand you. That means Bakat will be known by me, and to give a person a little respectability is not anything bad." They said, "When will you see things in the right way?" I said, "I'm seeing it exactly the right way, rather than Bakat." Grading me, I'm upgrading Bakat. You think his evil is more powerful than my goodness? You don't trust my integrity. You trust Bakat's integrity. I said, whatever your opinion, I I trust myself. Bakat cannot do any harm to me. If any harm is going to be done. It will be done to Bakat by me. He was really a beautiful woman. He was really a beautiful man, nice, and he used to tell me, "You should not be around me. If you wanna meet me and talk, we can manage to meet somewhere outside the town, by the river river bank." He himself lived near the Mohammedan. Cemetery where nobody goes unless one dies. One goes only once. He was not allowed to live in the town. In the town, nobody was ready to give him a house to rent. No matter how much rent he was ready to pay, nobody would take it. Nobody was going to take him in. I asked Barker. How did you become a thief? He said, "The first time I was jailed, I was absolutely innocent. But I was poor, and I could not hire a lawyer. And the people who wanted me to be forced into jail had some vested interest. My father and mother died when I was very young, fourteen or fifteen." And my other relatives wanted to capture the whole family's possessions, the house, the land. But to do that, they had to move me out of the way. They simply managed it. They put something into my bag in my house, and there was no way to get out of it. The thing was found in my bag, and I was sent to jail. When I came back, my land was gone. My house was sold. My relatives had managed to dis.
disperse and distribute everything. I was just on the streets. So, first, I was innocent when I went in, but when I came out, I was not innocent because I had graduated. I told everybody in jail what had happened to me. I was only 17, and they said, Don't be worried, these nine months will be soon finished. But in nine months, you, we will also give you the finishing touches, and you will be able to take revenge on everybody. First, I started to take revenge on all the relatives. This was simply tit for that, tit for tat. They had forced me to become a thief, and I proved that now I was a thief. I went after this whole gang of my relatives and stole everything they had. But by and by, I became more and more involved. You can have ten cases in which you are saved, but in the eleventh, you are caught. As you grow older and more efficient, you are caught less. But now, there is no problem. In fact, the prison is a relaxing place, a holiday from work and worry and all kinds of things. A few months in jail are good for the health. It is, dis it is a disciplined life with an exact time to get up, to go to work, to go to sleep, and enough food to keep you alive, he said. I'm never sick in jail unless I pretend so that I can go to the hospital to have a little holiday. Outside I fall sick, but never inside. And outside is a foreign world. Everybody is superior and I'm inferior. Only in jail do I feel a sense of freedom. Strange. When he said that, I said, you say in jail you feel free? He said, yes, only in jail do I feel free. What kind of a society is this? Where people in jail feel free and outside they feel imprisoned. And this is almost the story of every criminal. A small thing in the beginning, maybe he was hungry, maybe he was cold, needed a blanket and just stole a blanket, small necessities that should be fulfilled. Otherwise, the society should not have produced these people. Nobody asks the society produce them. On the, on the one side, on the one hand, you go on producing people more and more, and there are not enough things for them. Neither food nor clothes nor shelter. Then, what do you expect? You are putting people in a situation where they are bound to become criminals. The world population has to be cut to one-third if you want crime to disappear. But nobody wants crime to disappear because the disappearance of crime means the disappearance of your judges, of your lawyers, your legal experts, of your parliaments, your policemen, your jailers, 
it will create a big unemployment problem. Nobody wants anything to change for the better. Everybody says things should change for the better, but everybody goes on making things worse. Because the worst things are the more people are employed. Because the worst things are, the more people are employed. The worst things are, the more chances you have to feel good. Criminals are needed for you to feel that you are such moral, respectable people. Sinners are needed for saints to feel that they are saints. Without sinners, who will be a saint? If the whole society consisted of good people, do you think you will remember Jesus Christ for 2,000 years? For what? It is the criminal society that remembers Jesus Christ for 2,000 years. It is a simple thing to understand. Why do you remember Gautama Buddha? If there were millions of Buddhas, awakened people in the world, you would not take any note. What speciality did Gautama Buddha have? He would have been lost in the crowd, but 25 centuries have passed and he stands like a pillar, a mountain peak for mountain peak far above your heads. In fact, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammadan, Muhammad, Mahavira are not, gi not giants. You are pygmies. And every giant has an investment in your remaining uh, pygmy. Otherwise, he would not be a giant. This is a great conspiracy. I am against this whole conspiracy. I am neither a giant nor a pygmy. I have no vested interest at all. I'm just myself. I don't compare myself with anybody. So nobody is lower than me and anybody is higher than me. Because of this simple fact that I can see directly, there is no vested interest creating divergence to my vision. And this is my immediate response to the question of the death penalty. It is simply proof that man still needs to be cultivated, need, needs to be cultured, needs to know human values. In this world, nobody is a criminal, never has been. Yes, there are people who need compassion, not imprisonment, imprisonment not punishment. All prisons should be transformed into psychological nursing homes. Matters of life and death. Responses to questions. My sister had an accident, and since then, she cannot move, she cannot see, she cannot hear, she cannot speak. Is it better to let her die? 
It is one of the most fundamental questions which is being raised all around the earth in different forms. Because for centuries we have accepted the idea that death should be avoided, that it is something evil, that life is given by God and death comes through the devil. Even in the medical profession, Every medical graduate in the world has to take the Hippocratic oath saying that he will not help anybody in any way to die. He will help in every possible way to protect life. It was right in the days of Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Hippocrates, because out of every ten children born, only one survives to become an adult. Nine were going to die. That was the situation. The entire world's population in the times of Gautama Buddha was so small you cannot imagine. It was only two hundred million. Now India alone has almost a Billion people, the whole world has more than five billion people. By the way, it's eight billion as of today. From two hundred million people in twenty-five centuries, we have reached more than five billion people on the same earth, and medical science has grown tremendously. It used to be said that. Every seventy、uh, years was the longest one could hope to live. For almost five thousand years, scientists have been searching for bones, skeletons, to find out exactly how long man used to live, and they have come to the conclusion that people were not living to more than forty years of age. So it is right. When people say that in the past the days were so beautiful that no father ever saw the death of his own son, it is natural. If every father is going to die at forty, how he is going to see the death of his own son? But in this, those nine small children are not included. Because they lived no more than two years, so in reality, every father was seeing dozens of his sons and daughters dying. Once the children, once the child had survived more than two years, then there was a possibility for him to live at least forty years. Naturally, naturally, meanwhile, his father would be dying. Now there are many people who have passed a hundred years of age, and in some parts of the world, you can find a man over a hundred years old who can still work in the field like any young man. Some scientists say that there is a possibility if the right nutrition, the right exercise, and the right atmosphere is available.
that a person's body is capable of living at least 300 years. This is a very dangerous prospect because even in 90 or 100 years' time, you get so fed up with life. What are you going to do for 300 years? Your own family members will not recognize you in 300 years. So many generations of your own descendants, they will not have any relationship with you. The gap will be too great. And what are you going to do? You have lived, you have loved, you have seen all that life contains. The failures, the successes, the pains and the pleasures, the pains and the pleasures, the days and the nights. You have seen all the scenarios, all the seasons. Now, there is nothing more. It is now just repetition. The same wheel is moving. We have to think again about the Whole matter of death. My own opinion is that if a person comes to a stage where he finds that it is absolutely useless for him to live, he has lived enough, then it should not be illegal. It should be absolutely permissible. In fact, every hospital should have a special department for those people who come to die there. So, they can die in peace, in silence, with all the appropriate medical care. This medical care is not to keep them alive. This medical care is, is to help them to die as beautiful, as silently as possible. My own suggestion is that every death departed, every death department. In a hospital, should have a mediator, meditator, who can help people to learn meditation before they die, so they can die meditatively. Their death can become an immensely valuable experience, perhaps more valuable than their whole life has been, and they are not committing any sin. You can have time to think about it. Perhaps the person is emotionally upset at the moment. Perhaps something has happened that has given them the idea it is better to finish my life. They should be given time, should be told. You enter into the hospital, rest for one month, prepare for your death. You will help, we will help you. We will help. But if during this one month you change your mind, it is up to you. You can get up and get out. Nobody is forcing you. And remember, no emotion remains more than for a few minutes. Anybody who commits suicide, if he had waited a single minute more, may not, be, may not have done it. It is a momentary thing, but if somebody for a while,、uh, if somebody for a while, if somebody for a whole month continuously enjoys, is happy, 
is really looking forward to death as an adventure, then it is, it is our duty to allow these people to drop the body as graceful as possible. In response to the question, I had to give you this much introduction so that you can understand that death is not something evil, that it is something natural. But the question is not about an old person. The question is about a younger sister who cannot move, who cannot see, who cannot hear, who cannot speak. All her senses are absent. Now, do you call it life? This is simply vegetation, and she must be in incredible suffering that we cannot see because she cannot say, say anything. She has no doors to communicate. She's absolutely alone, cut off from all life. What is the point of her vegetation? What is the point of her vegetating for 70, 80, or 90 years, or maybe more? She will be a burden on the family she will be a source of sadness to the family, and she herself will be in absolute hell because she is completely imprisoned. Just think of yourself. There cannot be a greater concentration camp. Your eyes are taken away. Your ears are closed. You cannot speak. You will be in a coma. There are many people in such situations. I myself have seen one woman who was in coma for nine months and the doctors were saying that she could never come back to consciousness because she had been unconscious for so long that the delicate nervous, nervous system that keeps one conscious had almost died. They showed me the scans of her brain and they said that all the points that make one self-conscious had died. She would remain unconscious and perhaps for 50 years because she was not more than 30 when I saw her. Now she's a constant heaviness, heaviness. Now she's a constant heaviness on the whole family. On the husband, on the children, they cannot do anything. They are simply helpless. The doctors cannot do anything. They are helpless. But the law prevents helping anybody to die. Otherwise, the doctors would be criminals. They would be thought to be murderers. The law is primitive. The law does not understand compassion. That woman needs a merciful death. She cannot ask even for her death. The questioner's sister cannot ask even for death. But those who love her should ask the government of whichever country they belong to. You should take her case to the court and insist that to keep her alive 
is not compassion. It is not love. It is an absolutely primitive idea, which has no contemporary support. Let them know that the whole family is ready, that she should be relieved from this prison so that she can get a new birth, a new body with eyes, with ears. She can talk and she can walk. Her death will not be a calamity. Her death will be a blessing for her. I'm simply telling you my approach. I'm not telling you to act accordingly because that may be illegal in your country. You have to approach through the law to the government and make it a point of national discussion. Make it a point of national discussion because it may not be only your sister. There may be many other children and young people suffering in the same same way. For no other reason expect that the law does not permit any medical person to help somebody to drop the body. It is time that we should understand and the medical profession should understand the Hippocratic oath should no longer be the oath for medical students. They should be given an oath that helps a person to live if he can live abundantly, more beautifully. But if the person cannot live and you simply go on helping him just to breathe, breathing is not life then it is better to help the person to die. In both cases, you are compassionate. Either you serve life or you serve death. It does not matter. Your compassion should see the person gets into a better space, into a better life. And every country has to come to pass a law just as the laws of most countries now accept birth control. That is one end of life. You are preventing children from being born. If you have accepted that, then on the other end, you should allow old people who want to leave the world to let them leave ceremoniously. Ceremoniously, they can call all their friends, their whole family. They can live with the whole family for one month, because now they're going to be here only for a month longer. Birth is not in your hands, but at least you can be free to choose your death. A few more governments. And the world are going to accept soon that on the other end of life also, we should allow people to move faster. The world is too crowded. On one hand, we are preventing people from coming. And on the other hand, we should let them move on.
so that the world becomes less crowded and less poor. And it is not a question only of the world becoming less poor and less crowded. It is also a question of peop those people in almost all, all of the Western countries and particularly in America. Hundreds of thousands of people are simply living in hospitals. They are 90 years or 100 years old. They cannot live in their homes because they cannot even breathe on their own. And still, we are keeping them alive. What? Artificial breathing is being given to them. I don't think it is going to be a pleasure to those people. They will never be going back home. They will die in the hospital. And I don't see what is the logic of keeping them breathing artificially. When their bodies are not ready to breathe, please allow them, please allow them not to breathe. That is their personal affair. You are interfering too much. You won't let them die. They are already dead, and you are forcing them to continue even though you are not aware of any purpose for it. And when you are keeping thousands of people alive, who should be resting in their graves and necessarily occupying places in the hospitals? The time for the doctors of, of so many machines and so, many, so much care. What is the purpose? After two or three years, they will even stop taking the artificial breath in. They will refuse and reject it. Nothing else is going to happen. But for those three years, you will be keeping them unnecessarily in torture. Torture, and this is thought to be service. This is thought to be compassion. This is thought to be Christian. This is simply cruelty. Let those poor people die, and there are thousands of people around the world who are ready to leave the body because the body is only a pain to them. With so much disease, with so much sickness, they are no longer able to do anything. They are no longer able to enjoy anything. But it is a very strange world. It goes on following old laws, which have lost all reality, which have become just shadows of the past. And now they are torturing humanity unnecessarily. My suggestion is that your sister should be released from this body because this body is nothing but a prison to her. If you love her, you have to say goodbye to her with tears, with sadness, but still, you have to say goodbye to her and you have to meditate and pray that. She gets into a better body. But ask the government to create a movement around it so that not only your sister is helped, these may be many other people 
there may be many other people in her situation situation and make as much uproar about it as you can. Only then you will be allowed so that your sister can have a peaceful death. And don't be worried because your innermost being never dies.